the Bible does not work and used. But this is an easy claim to make and harder to prove. But it is many factors harder to prove it does not work, especially in a culture where the Bible is something to be venerated more than followed. Irrelevance is potentially a claim without an experimental means of resolving. Indeed, there is a danger the claim will turn into a self-fulfilling prophecy. The evidence of Bible failure being used as evidence of its lack of relevance rather than of our apostasy. A medicine is expected to work on a specific disease. But what is it that the Bible is expected to work on or solve, if it is to do anything? Obviously, the Bible is a book telling us about God. But is information about God all that it contains? The Bible is considered a testament to His Word and the validity of God's claims regarding Himself. The Bible also tells us about God's faithfulness, mankind's unfaithfulness, and how He works His will in the world, where wrong is more likely to be done than right. Christians suppose the Bible is true and any inadequacy on its part has more to do with the sinful nature of man than the failure of God to plan ahead. But what if the Bible is not true? If the Bible is a work of fiction, then learning about the workings and promises of God is the same as reading about the history of Superman. Even if God exists and He did all Scripture tells us He has done, does it matter to each and every one of us? Christians have a problem with Scripture being taken out of context, misunderstood and used as a crutch for popular movements as well as for personal agendas. There is no censorship or standard of verification. This was one of the less desirable elements of the Reformation, everyone became his own priest and theologian. The big thing for Christians is that a person believes in God. To differentiate themselves from other believers who also claim to believe in God, Christians declare Christ as God. For most Christians, this declaration is the most important thing to do in life. But in the grand scheme of things, it seems rather little. Surely even the fallen angels have done as much. Christians are accused of cherry-picking Bible verses. Atheists do the same. Both groups misinterpret what is being said though atheists do this with greater passion. But neither group adheres to the truths of Scripture. People cannot know the truth, it is not logically possible, until they accept the truth. This is the power of Scripture and has nothing to do with the intelligence of man. There are one thousands of Christian churches, all preach variations of one another's message. Now it is possible for all of these churches to be wrong. It is absolutely impossible for all of these churches to be right. The problem is trying to convince them that the churches whom they mimic are not biblical churches. It's a clear case of the blind leading the blind. But there is no need to get into a dispute with individual churches or denominations any more than there is a need to respond to the individual disputes about the Bible, as raised by atheists. There is only one truth. That is a logical statement. If there is more than one truth, the theories conflict with one another and are not true. Truth has only one possible definition and that precludes contradictory or conflicting truths. In short, if you have choices about which truth to pick, they are all wrong or only one is right and the rest wrong. But how do we validate what is true?
the first truth to accept is the logical truth and truth can only be one. The next truth is logically derived from the first, if there is a truth and it is one, there is God because by definition, God is the author of truth. God must be the author for God is truth. Truth cannot have any other source. There cannot be information without a source and that source is the creator. The information created is true by definition. The source of the information defines it as true by the very act of its creation. If not true it would not be created because by the very act of being created, the truth is defined as or becomes, truth. Lies are not created they are devised or derived from a corruption of the truth. Lies disable truth. A true creation is ex nihilo which means only God creates truth because only God can fashion information from nothing or the absence of information. But Christians have abandoned the Bible because the Bible is truth and man has been alienated from the truth for a long time. The truth existed from the dawn of creation but at the dawn of creation mankind turned from the truth, in Eden. The Bible is only a particular expression of the truth. Man was divorced from the truth long before the Bible was written. Thus, when we were given the Bible, we were already estranged from the truth. Man does not want the truth, he desires to be free. However, the question needs to be asked, man desires to be free from what? There is only truth that we can seek to be free from. Unless we happen to want to be free of lies. But freedom from truth comes down to being free of the cost of one's choices, there is no other possible freedom. But to have this kind of freedom is to have a power that is not ours to have. Truth requires we pay our costs. Sometimes this is called the market. However, the market is nothing more than an abstraction that indicates the accounts of a community. But the market is missing something. It has no frame of reference. The prices of the market are relative and lack objectivity. If I buy a pound of carrots from you, what is the right price? Many say the right price is the price the market sets. The price falls until the price of carrots is sufficient to rid the market of carrots at the rate they can be replenished. If the market cannot keep up with demand, the price will rise until this balance is achieved. But there are many other goods and services that must be logistically cleared as well. But there is no simple or easy way for this to happen, and so we have gluts and famines, bankruptcies, and monopolies. The market prices or attempts to price goods and services at the price point that permits the most goods and services to be produced, for a given period. If too much of one thing is produced, then too little of another is produced. Prices too high for one commodity will mean too little of this will be sold and demand will be reduced elsewhere. Every producer is trying to produce as much as he can at a price that enables him to purchase the most goods and services. In other words, each individual producer or worker is trying to produce the amount that has the highest relative value in comparison to all other goods and services. Some call this the profit motive. Others dismiss it as greed. But it is the natural inclination of humans to seek prosperity. But the only way to be prosperous is to make others prosperous unless one has personal power. 
Power is an analog of productivity but by different means. One has to produce as much as one can in terms of the relative exchange rate to gain the maximum benefit. It's not the quantity that is important it is the value of what the production can be exchanged for. Good arrowheads in the Neolithic period would bring many wives, and much meat. In a modern economy they would not have the demand a phone app has. If I produce 10 arrowheads in the same time frame you produce 10 pounds of meat, the rough equivalent value is one arrowhead for a pound of meat. This is also referred to as the labor theory of value. Its applicability is disputed because it does not factor in the cost of obtaining a rock quarry or a farm on which to raise livestock. However, this complaint is based on the assumption that capitalism is a viable system of exchange. Another issue with the labor theory of value is that it does not factor in the state. It has claims to the farm or quarry. If there were only two people engaged in production and another two administrating the use of quarries and farmland, the production able to benefit the producer would be halved. Even though the arrow maker and the famer maintain their level of productivity they would be only able to get half of what they got before. This is inflation. Inflation has nothing to do with currency and everything to do with the freeloaders and parasites in the economy. Even if there was no currency but there were more and more persons establishing claims on the wealth of the region, productivity could increase while the ones making the real goods and services could find themselves with a steadily declining quality of life. But the Bible if it is a book of truth, ought to fix these things and technically or theoretically, it does. But there are two processes going on in the world. These two threads or systems correspond to two realities in the races talked about in the Bible. The world of the flesh and the world of the spirit are two diametrically opposed systems. The world of the flesh is a world of illusion and lies. It needs to be constantly replenished. But liberals have a problem because freedom is self-limiting, though most liberals are convinced it is not. The liberal cannot be free to explore his passions unless there are people willing to fix the toilet and pick up the garbage. This is what the Bible refers to when it talks about the equality of the different parts of the body. Liberals want a life guided by the passions. They actually do not like in when the intellect intrudes. They may even become violent, as this is the only defense the passions have. Regardless, even the dedicated liberal must eat. There must be a supplier of the necessities of life, but just as important, there has to be a path by which a liberal may obtain the goods and services they want and need from the ones that produce them. Currency is a liberal invention. It permits access based on illicit claims and indeed, on a false premise. The liberal love of freedom does not exist in a vacuum. It is based on a premise, not just that freedom is a right or that freedom is the ultimate goal of the passions, liberals believe power is a commodity to be exchanged for the necessities of life. Liberals believe the passions represent power. The release of the passions is the liberal understanding of freedom because it is the same as the exercise of power. Currency, as with everything in the liberal universe, is directed towards the passions. The principalities and powers we struggle with are the agencies representing the primacy of the passions. 
Christians have abandoned the Bible because it has proved to be a poor avenue to the exercise and liberation of the passions. The Bible has, in fact, not given the Christian the power they desire. We see the music of the church as the message of the church, become more emotional. The fire and brimstone message of some of the earlier churches has faded. Not because it was too emotional but because it ceased to give the preacher the power he wanted. The sinner would go to hell and hell was a place of torment. But the passions of this message were not the passions that led to greater power. Love as tolerance is the new message. The love message has a greater capacity to manipulate listeners. But all of this is moot and secondary. It's a cover story. The real war and the real issue is found underneath this more visible conflict. The passions are not about some innate and primeval inclination. It's a cover for a dark intelligence. It may be common to smirk at mentions of Satan. The idea of an evil agency infecting humanity has too many similarities to a conspiracy theory. Perhaps we do not think humans are that easy to beguile. We may not think there are that many willing to sell their souls for fame and fortune and too few finding it, to think this is a path many take to make their passions realized. But the devil does not have to exist in person to have an impact. The devil is not in a body but in a system, the equivalent of God being in the church. Reality is not physical but information. Just as we find our parents present in many of the habits, we as children, learn during our time with them. The devil exists in a simple algorithm that systematically removes people from a life of faith. We only need to realize people are not to be trusted, to lose faith. If we do not trust people what relevance has the Bible to our lives? Every time we lie, cheat or steal we destroy someone's trust. Every time we engage in an activity that allows us to avoid the costs of what we are doing, we are instilling fear into the hearts of our fellow men. We just have to want to save money and want it bad enough to engage in dishonest acts to be part of the devil's algorithm. A church that is not Christian in its soul is a church in which hypocrisy exists. Fellow believers will not trust anyone in the congregation to hear their confession or share their real feelings when they lack trust in the people of the church. This church will become a church of shallow believers who preach faith in Christ while locking their doors and cars in fear of their neighbors. If you dare not leave your wallet in a pew or let your daughter go camping with a fellow believer's son, you lack faith in the members of your church. When trust is not present, works of faith will not be done, and the church will not bear real fruit. Christians have abandoned the Bible because in the absence of faith one resorts to acts motivated by fear, and the Bible lacks meaning for people who live in fear. But it must be appreciated that until we have vanquished fear and established accountability, there is good reason to mistrust the church and everyone else. If there is the opportunity to cut corners and gain an unfair advantage, people will take it. Only the church can reverse the process but only if built by the guidelines set out in Scripture.